Welcome to the Red, White, and Blue Flags F1 Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Vasquez. And I'm Stephen McNally. And we are your home for Formula One racing on this side of the pond. On today's show, we're going to bemoan the United States Grand Prix and uh, reminisce on what could have been. Yes, very terrible uh, this time. And we'll, we'll give a, a little bit of a prediction of this race and maybe a forecast for what we see in the next couple of races as we get towards the end of the season. So, Ryan, uh, we, you know, we, we try to maintain a little bit of, an, you know, integrity. We try not to be so biased against, uh, you know, certain energy drink teams. And uh, it, it's no secret that, you know, we have a handful of favorites out there. Uh, but we, we try to keep it pretty level-headed. But uh, as as people who are fans of Mercedes, fans of Lewis Hamilton, I think uh, it, it's hard to pick your head up after this weekend. No, it's tough. And again, I guess, you know, in theory, it could have been worse. You know, we, we bemoaned a lot of things during the race where it's like, man, Mercedes keeps missing on the edges. They keep making these different mistakes. This whole race, they do their pit stops for too long. Uh, and you're like, ah, oh, you just start adding up the lost time and everything. And you're thinking he could have caught Verstappen. He could have caught, you know, up with Max. He could have at least had a shot at first. But man, would that have been a punch in the nuts had he still got disqualified, right? So, I mean, it's it's 50-50. It's, you know, glass half full, glass half empty. But um, Lewis looked like he had a pretty good car the first time. He looked like he could actually compete with a Red Bull. Uh, I feel like this season and uh, you know it it was not meant to be and he ends up 19th uh, seeds points to uh, Checo and making that race a little harder to to you know close yeah uh, so you know it, it was a question going into the race what was the strategy going to be seemed like with the high temperatures and the track surface it was going to be pretty hard on tires so everyone anticipated stopping twice like like you said mid-race we're, we're trying to strategize along with the teams max is uh out there lewis is hanging behind him and you know when max comes in we're like it is mercedes gonna pull him in to cover max off you know I was, you know, texting you like I think Lewis should, you know, go for the undercut here actually. Uh, but you know, Max pits, and then we're waiting. Another lap goes by. Another lap goes by. Another lap goes by. They leave Lewis out there. It's like, well, they must be trying for a very ambitious one stop, going mediums to hards. And they get on the team radio. It's like, can you extend another five laps? And he's like, basically saying, you guys got to be kidding me. There's, there's no way. The tires are dead come back on the radio like oh you know uh max is now in your pit window it's like well no shit you left me out here hung me out to dry so now they're in between strategy they had a chance to pull him in to do the two stop same as verstappen had a chance to leave him out longer to do the one stop and they fell somewhere in between so they bring in lewis again and so that that was you know essentially blunder number one and then blunder number 2.1 2.1 was having a three and a half second pit stop. Like now to get up to where Red Bull is and to win a race against him, you have to have, you know, perfect scores across the board in every phase of the game. You can't just be fast. Can't just be clean. Can't just have a good starting position. 
you got to have good pit times as well. And first pit stop they had, three and a half seconds. Lost a second to Max. So, you know, and it just kind of, you know, not not necessarily snowballed from there, but you're just like uh, an opportunity for you to get your first win as a team and Lewis's first win in two years, and you feel it just slipping away lap by lap. Yeah, I mean, that's the the challenge here. We, we've talked about this in the past, is that Mercedes never seems to care about those details. Red Bull does. Um, Red Bull because prides the, themselves on being a fast uh, a fast pit crew. You know? Yeah, you know, the, the speed used to cover up all the negatives. You know, like wins hide any problem you have in the clubhouse when it comes to, you know, uh, other teams. Like it covers up all your dirty areas. But Mercedes aren't the fastest now. And now all those other things are coming to the surface and you can see clearly how it's, oh man, maybe they're not the best on strategy. Maybe not having a solid team to do a quick stop isn't helping. You know, when, when you had overspeed over everyone else, it didn't really matter. You concede those things. But now now it's coming. Uh, the chickens are coming home to roost. Yeah. it's um, But you should see that. You know what I mean? It's like you should see that coming. It's been coming. Um, I don't know if it's an arrogance. I don't know if it's just uh, a belief that they will get back to being fast enough that it doesn't matter. But... It just seemed like, you know, and I'm, who knows? I mean, uh, it seemed like they had a, a hard time a little bit with the, I think, the right front. Uh, I'm trying to remember my orientation from the race. But w- one of the tires seemed like it was a little sticky, like when they were trying to get it off, right? And it seemed like it happened twice on Lewis. Um, and, yeah, that, that you know, in a in a pit stop of seconds, like literal seconds and, and you know, milliseconds, if you will. That's, that's the thing. He had two stops. The second stop was fractionally better than the first one, but still a second slower than Red Bull. So while you could maybe excuse, like, okay, you know what, you get a sticky right front, you got a chance to redeem yourself, learn from that, get get back on it, and, you know, have a better second stop kind of happen again and that you know the uh cumulative effect of being two seconds slower in the pits at one point he was within a second and a half of max on the last lap like where could he have been if they are a little bit more decisive on strategy a little bit more decisive in their pit stop performance you know and, and like you said ultimately if lewis would have gotten in front maybe this makes the whole thing even harder to swallow the fact that he got disqualified but that's another thing that falls on the team. You know, Lewis made a mistake in Qatar. You know, that that was his fault. He cost himself in the team points. But these were three instances in one race where each one on their own would have, you know, been bad. And this is, you know, like coming from the team between strategy, pit stop, and having a car out of legality. But, you know, I personally feel like you're leaning on Lewis too much you're giving him too much to do like giving him the strategy where he's got to come back and fight through the field instead of holding on to track position in front of Max like make Max pass you yeah he, he's he got the, the car to do it but you haven't been in a position where you're leading in 
leading a race, late in the race, having people chase you down hasn't happened in two years. Like, make somebody else beat you instead of beating yourself. You know, and this is the thing for me, too. You know, you kept hearing Lewis say it. You you, you heard it a few times. You know, oh, you got to go faster, Lewis. Or you hear from his engineers. You got to, um, you know, pedal down and all the other stuff. And you hear Lewis come back and say, you gave me too much, mate. You gave me too much, mate. And it is. It's unnecessary, too. It's not like, oh, you know, hey, you didn't get me out fast enough. You didn't bring me in quick enough. Um, all Lewis can do is drive the car, you know, and uh, he doesn't have to do the strategy for them, too. And it seemed like they kept getting... Mercedes keeps, seems like they keep getting caught in between strategies sometimes. Like, they, they don't know what to do. Uh, I can see if they do one to one car and one to the other car, but they seem to be caught in between strategies on the same car, right? And that's maddening. That's maddening to me. They're inconsistent too. You know, George had a pretty decent stop right after that that slower Lewis stop. Um, and I'm like, I, I joked to you, Steve. I'm like, well, they they warmed up on Lewis, so they're good now. But it, it's. He was the throwaway it, pancake. Yeah, it, it's maddening to me. It just has been maddening to me this whole season. And, you know, just watching Mercedes the past few years, I was like, you're the best team. But you, like, throw away time on freaking pit stops. Like, it's killer. you think the best team would, you know, occasionally have that. And you, you sent me a graphic, uh, I want to say, earlier this week, Steve, how many what sub two five uh, pit stops by teams, and Mercedes has one this season. One, one sub two and a half second, and you know we're, we're you know Red Bull used to like stand out on a class of their own. They always had kind of the fastest time. They did have like the record fastest time, and always looked at as the best team. Uh, other teams aren't sleeping on that and you know now you have McLaren has the fastest pit stop of all time 1.8 seconds they're consistently good and that's part and parcel to them continue to climbing up you know the leaderboard and when you know we've talked about it a couple times this year with Mercedes being in this position behind Red Bull it's not just enough to say like you know, we're still performing well in second place. And yes, we're continuing to try to catch Red Bull. Other teams aren't standing still. If McLaren continues at their trajectory, you know, because Mercedes continuously finds themselves somewhere between second and fourth fastest between, you know, McLaren and, and Ferrari and Aston Martin earlier this year, you could start off 2024 and now not just looking up at Red Bull, but you could be looking up at McLaren also, even with Ferrari. Uh, Aston Martin nipping at your heels again because, you know, they've kind of buttoned up other issues and, you know, are, are doing a better job in those uh, other areas of racing that's not physically on the track. They're nailing the strategy. They're nailing the pits. They're nailing the upgrades of the car making sure that they don't get disqualified uh so you're not in a position where you can just kind of coast i think that's you know it's it's frustrating as a fan it's certainly frustrating to lewis i'm sure 
Yeah, I mean, and we've seen quite a few times this year where uh, the commentators calling the race have praised McLaren for having great pit stops and getting their cars out in the right positions to make a a, a move, you know. Um, and so that's, you know, uh, it's obvious on the track when something goes right. And I feel like it's always obvious on the track when Mercedes bungles it. You know, it's, oh, it's a little slow there. Oh, it's a little, you know. The thing is, is that I think probably the issue is, is like, it's frustrating for us. It's not like Lewis ends up a car or two back. He just ends up further back from the car he's chasing. So that's why it probably doesn't get called out enough. It's just, it kills him on the time. And it shows up at the end of the race when you're like, man, if he had two more laps. Well, he wouldn't need two more laps if he was two seconds closer. And and so that's kind of like, you don't get to see it. Maybe as it happens, we see it. We're like, that's a bungle. That's stupid. You hear him complain on the track. But it doesn't really like, you don't know how bad it's going to be until he doesn't catch Max at the end of the race. Because he ran out of time. Yes. So... I mean, that aside, we've been griping about this, but another car got disqualified too. <laughs> right. And you you wouldn't believe who the bad luck befell upon this time. Uh, but none other than Charles Leclerc, who uh, certainly, you know, uh, crossed some wizard in a past life and has been cursed uh, as, as I think he had his 21st pole position. He's only ever converted two of those to wins. So 19 pole positions have gone by the wayside. Uh, yeah. So he kind of fell under the same rule and regulation, which is the underbody plank had worn away too much. And you know what, once it gets too thin, it falls into an area of illegality for quote unquote safety reasons. Uh, and, you know, Mercedes talked about it a little bit after the race is a combination of it's a sprint weekend. So you only have one practice session to see how the car uh, fares before it goes into those park Fermi conditions and you can't touch the car anymore. Uh, so that was a factor. Uh, Austin is a bumpy track, so a lot of bumps on the track will wear away the plank faster. And both Mercedes and Ferrari have to run their car lower to the ground if they want to catch up to what Red Bull's able to do, riding at a higher rate. Um, so all those factors kind of went into what happened to you know the underside of the cars and why they eventually failed. And you know we'll note that just four cars are randomly selected for that uh, post-race inspection. Uh, Max was one, he passed. Lando was one, he passed. Charles and Lewis failed and you would you know presume to think that the teammates car you know in, in Russell and Carlos probably would have failed as well but they weren't checked and you know this is the thing it, there's no reason really to check Charles if you're gonna go in order you could have picked the Carlos and <laughs> poor um, bastard <laughs> yeah well this is the thing like he goes that's how like I, I tell my wife you know this you know I was traveling uh, to a, uh, uh, an awards competition uh, over a decade ago, and I was r- randomly TSA checked as I was getting on the plane. Uh, it's just random, sir. That guy was staring me down for ten minutes. 
He goes, no, I feel like that was on purpose, right? And so, like, I don't know. Maybe they just felt like, you know who hasn't been kicked in the nuts enough today? Charles. Yeah, because they said... He's he's pissed that, why do I have to swap with Carlos? Uh, Why is my car... Why why with the start that that I should have had, the priority I should have had, why am I swapping? Why Why am I I the one stop? Yeah, why why is this happening to me? Hmm... We're going to also see if your car should be disqualified. Yeah, we're going to go. All right, let's check uh, first, uh, second, third. Oh, who else should we check? Fourth? No, let's go to six. Let's go check six. Um, so he, he had finished six, and now he finishes with no points on race day. Um, so, you yeah, know, my, my heart goes out to him. Poor guy. Needs a hug. Um, so how, how does that affect everyone else? Well... Uh, as often as Charles gets a pole position and doesn't convert it into a win, it seems it's just as often that Carlos Sainz doesn't get to have a podium celebration. <laughs> this this is Carlos's third podium that he's been awarded well after the race is finished. So he has to, you know, pop open a bottle of champagne by himself in his trailer. I do want to know if he appreciates them the same though. Is he happy to get the podium, or is it kind of like, does he look at it as a driver and he's like, it's sort of by default, you know, or uh, I didn't get to celebrate it, so who cares? I mean, I'm sure it comes up when he's negotiating his salary or his contract. He's like, I have X amount of podiums, but does it does it matter ultimately, you know, to him, or does he does he care? I mean, Homer says winning by default, and you know, defaults the two most beautiful words in the English language. Uh, yeah. I I think when it comes to to a quote unquote standard podium of second and third, I don't think he minds too much because it's like, uh, it, it's nice. Like if it was in Spain, for sure, I think not being on the podium in your home race and getting it later is probably awful. Um, but if it's not for a win, it's something he can go back and just say like, look at all my podiums. Yeah, I didn't get you know, drenched in champagne, but, you know, I earned them. And, you know, maybe it saves him from, uh, you know, making his eyes burny. Yeah. uh, He doesn't have to have that awkwardness with the people that he may not like up there, you know. Uh, Although uh, having, you know, Lando Max podium, I think for Carlos is pretty good. You know, uh, obviously former teammate with, uh, Lando at, at McLaren and then another Red Bull junior driver with Max. So I, I think out of the people he could be on the podium with, not bad. True. Uh, you know, there's always worse. I, I don't get the sense that Carlos doesn't like anybody on the track. Uh, so, you know, there's certain people where you're like, that guy probably doesn't like that guy or that guy would rather be on a podium with that guy. I don't know how many people want to be on a podium with Lance Stroll. Um, nothing <laughs> against the guy. I just I don't know how people feel about him uh, other than his dad and maybe Fernando. Uh, but um, uh, for me... Well, Esteban loves him. Best friends. Super, super besties. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I feel for Ferrari, but it feels like Ferrari's brand. So, I mean, it's kind of what it is it's just still annoyed by mercedes it was kind of a bit of a gut punchy uh thing to hours later find out that 
Lewis is one of Lewis's best drives of the season, looking like he's competitive enough to maybe steal a win at the end of the season. Still also angry that he could have won this race. Um, turns out to be disqualified, back at square zero, uh, whatever. It's just, uh, I'm incredibly frustrated. Right. Um, but there, there is a red, white, and blue lining to this cloud. There, there is. Uh, nothing that, again. Nothing like default for an American either. Yeah, because you know, due to the low, low price of three DNFs and two disqualifications, uh, Mr. Logan Sargent, welcome to the point scoring club. Yes, uh, you are now better than Nick DeVries. <laughs> he goes. You it's are a math. rookie who. He goes. You are a rookie who scored points this year even though you had a lot more chances than Nick did, um, and leaves Danny as the only driver still actively racing uh, with no points. So kind of nice to see the whole circuit pick up points this year, which is cool. Uh, We don't always see that, especially with some of the um, parody that we've seen lately. But um, excited to... uh, See if Danny, over the next four or five opportunities, depending how you count the sprint, uh, can get off to Schneid and make it that all drivers who finish the season uh, in a car score points. Right. Also, the uh, the first American to score points in 30 years and scored by none other than the uh, man who wants to break back into Formula One, Michael Andretti. And it's looking incredibly likely that he will. So... Um, while you don't hear much about formal announcement and all this stuff, they're laying the groundwork that when it happens, they're ready to go. They're not they're saying they, like, yeah, so they've got a car already. They've got uh, wind tunnel testing already. Um, they are uh, still kind of out in the wilderness when it comes to an engine because their uh, Alpine offer did expire. So it remains to see what they're going to be powered by instead of, you know, just bald eagles and freedom but hey bald eagles and freedom will get me going um so speaking of the future the near future here we have a race coming up uh i love this north american run here at the end of the season i really wish we'd end in north america but we do go back to cutter um so i would uh, oh sorry abu dhabi yeah my bad i'm looking at the wrong thing uh we, we do go back to Qatar eventually uh, next year. Um, so we are going to a, a home track of a driver uh, that probably really, really could stand to have a good weekend for a variety of reasons. But I think there's no one on the track who wants to win at their home track more than Checo. Would uh, I be wrong I- with that? No, I, I think there's a combination of that, the fact that um, you know, Max has won everywhere, so winning at home is kind of like, sure. I, I think Carlos maybe winning in in Spain is very up there. Lewis has won a bunch in you know Silverstone. Uh, but I think hardly another example of a crowd getting behind their driver as much, at least in current day. 
the passion that the Mexican ha- Mexican fans have for Checo. So the combination of that and the fact that he's never really needed to win more, <laughs> uh, you know, w- whether or not there's a true ultimatum of he needs to finish second to keep his seat. Uh, he's gotten helped out a couple last couple races with Lewis missing out in points in the race and now finds himself 39 points ahead with four races to go. And I don't think anyone can underestimate what a win for Checo in Mexico would do for himself, the country and for his chances next year of where he's going to be driving. Yeah. And again, I mean, uh, you know, uh, he is the only Mexican on the circuit. There are two Spaniards. Uh, so you might split the split the vote there. Not everyone's there for Carlos in Spain. I'm sure they'll appreciate it, but they might be just as happy to see Fernando. Um, but I think this could be a good weekend for Checo. I just why not, right? You could also say that you know under pressure he could botch it because he's trying too hard. But I think it will be a good weekend for Checo. Well, you remember my my preseason prediction was. This was going to be Checo's last race for Red Bull because he was going to uh, sur- like somehow usurp Max in this race. Max is leading. Checo's going to find a way to uh, perhaps uh, underhandedly take the win away from him, and it was going to cause such a scene in Red Bull that uh, it was clear that he was no longer a, a team player that they need, but it uh, Checo was going to do everything for the win, and that was going to be the straw breaking the camel's back. That was my preseason prediction. Um, now they I might mean, just let him win out of pity. The, uh, you know, perhaps. You know, the the door opened a little bit to that possibility with with Danny creeping up behind him, uh, and and making his his comeback. But I feel like Checo's safer than not at this point, but I still expect him to maybe have one of his better performances in in the second half. It is a track that you would think he likes, and um, it's going to be interesting to see couple of these teams coming off of some changes, you know, it would, I'm interested to see how Mercedes bounces back. Um, you know, it's just going to be hard to tell. These tracks are, I mean, last year, um, Lewis and George had good runs here. Checo finished on the podium. Um, Ferraris finished fifth and sixth. The McLarens were in the top 10. That was when Danny was there. Um, So, I'm just interested to see who kind of really shows up for this one. Well, I mean, you got to think of all things being equal. Lewis had solid performances the last two weeks between, like, you know, he qualified third in Qatar. Obviously, it was a mistake on the first lap that you know, he caught himself out and he had lost points. Uh, and obviously drove 
almost good enough to win this past weekend. So you got to feel like they like their chances. And you got to think that McLaren, with Norris coming off of his fourth straight podium, has also got to be feeling pretty good coming into the weekend. The, the one thing Red Bull definitely has going for them is they are, you know, typically the, the best car in a straight line, uh, especially when it comes to activating the DRS. Mexico had the longest straight before uh, they, they made a racetrack in Vegas, and now that probably has the longest straight on the calendar. But with a very, very long straight, three DRS zones, I think, at this track, I, I think Red Bull still feels really good about their chances. Um, but certainly, Mercedes, McLaren should feel like they're competitive. And then, you know, Alex, who picked up a couple of points this past weekend, uh, the Williams car being really fast in a straight line, very thin air in Mexico, at uh, Mexico City, excuse me. Uh, you got to think he's going to be a car that's going to do a decent qualifying lap. And then be hard to pass. So before we get into our uh, predictions for the Mexico Grand Prix, let, let's uh, pick our brains over what we see happening over the last four races of the season. Ryan, does someone other than Red Bull win one of these races? I think yes. Um, I really do. I think I'd like to think Las Vegas, although you can look at the track and see what cars are going to be. Uh, have more advantages based off of the layout it's still a mystery box right so i feel like that throws a wrinkle um we we talked about some of the performance recently i think mexico's in the cards for a few people who have some want to and and some some emerging skill i think brazil is in the cards too we know it's a favorite of lewis um and i think that I think the the tracks that we're seeing here at the end offer variability enough because of a variety of things, just better performance from certain cars than normal or better likes by certain drivers than normal, um, some emerging trends, and that one track that no one's really raced around yet, really, uh, to, to kind of have a sense of uh, what's strong and how it plays out. Although, I will say... New tracks feel a little bland sometimes. They don't really design the new tracks to be chaos uh, tracks. They design them to be, you know, uh, time trials almost. But Well, I mean, it, long straight should provide some action. Um, but we will be watching it at 1 o'clock in the morning. So we'll see. Uh, so... If you feel like, yes, Red Bull is beatable, do you feel like... Um, so I, I think, yes, uh, there will be someone else other than Red Bull winning one of these four races. I'm, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to think Lando's going to win one of these. Lando's Lando's going to do it. I, I, would, I would guess... It's Abu Dhabi. That you know, I wanted to go with uh, Sao Paulo because I think McLaren's going to be good there, and he's he's a really sharp on form. I just feel like at the end of the year, maybe Red Bull don't go for it, and McLaren's got nothing to lose. I feel like Lando wins the season finale. 
So let me ask you this. Do you think Red Bull drops more than one of the next four races? Or I should say, do you think Max loses the next, or doesn't win half of the next four races? I, my, my fun guess, I don't know if it's my best guess, I think Max takes two of the next four and still sets like the record for most wins in a season again. Um, and I feel like Lewis will win in Brazil and Lando wins in Abu Dhabi, but Max wins the other two. That's what I feel like will happen. Yeah, I I want to go out on that limb too and say we'll get two wins. That'd be nice, you know, and create nice. a little bit of drama. Give of, me some flavor. You know, if max is going to set that record and give him a little drama because there's no other drama to really worry about other than if he's going to have an all-time great season so i yeah i i too will go out on a limb i will say two of the next four races um will go to someone other than max and yeah yeah. oh i'm sorry no go on no no no. No, does lewis catch checo and finish second I don't think so. Um, yeah, especially really, with really what I'm the last two races, man. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, you you did the math on this, Steve, before we got on, and like seriously, uh, you know, if Lewis doesn't get DQ'd, and you're like, if Lewis, let's just say Lewis does kept keep second uh, in the race he uh, crashed out of early, and that moves Checo down in the points accordingly, they're essentially tied, if not tied going into Mexico. Um, that's how significant the last two races are because now they're like nearly 40 points apart, right? Yeah. And so that's, I mean, we've seen Checo Bennett. We've seen, you know, and uh, if that happens in a weekend uh, and Lewis happens to steal a win or get second, that's an 18, 20 points, sh- uh, um, you know, swing potentially with uh, you know, uh, not even having to win. But... Yeah. Now, he's got to outscore him 10 points a race uh, on average. Uh, yeah, we do have one sprint weekend in Brazil, but on average, next four races, he's got to outscore him by 10, which is, you know, essentially Lewis finishing no worse than fifth and, and Checo finishing out of the points or, you know, Lewis finishing third and Checo finishing eighth. Like, it's a, it's a very tall task to make right. up I mean, 39 like, yeah. points in four races. I mean, Lewis could... He would need to win. Uh, and Checo couldn't do any better than... Or, or any worse than third. Those are the things that you just like... That's so hard. Especially when you know Checo is in the fastest car on the track. Or the at least second actual fastest car, theoretically. Um, that may be getting challenged with, uh, you know, McLaren and if Mercedes can consistently keep this speed with whatever happened to their uh, floor. But I just don't think Checo is going to bend the last four races uh, for a variety of reasons, right? He's fighting for his job. He's racing in Mexico. Um, you know, it, 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 there's no reason, and he he has opportunities to uh, those four races plus the sprint are five opportunities to score points. Um, 
you know, theoretically, if he wins in Mexico and Lewis doesn't have a great race, he might be able to put this out of reach this week. So he's probably like, you know, he wants to put that to bed, I'm sure. He doesn't want to have to worry about is he going to lose second place because that's probably the biggest on his mind right now. Yeah. That. Uh, I, even if it, even if his job wasn't on the line, I don't think he'd want to lose it. It'd be embarrassing. It would be a bad finish for him, especially considering what he was hoping for. But his job might be on the line too. Yeah, a, a win almost mathematically clinches it for him. Um, and one final question before we get to the predictions for the constructors' race: How do you have two, three, and four finishing? Because right, right now, Mercedes is 22 points up on Ferrari. So it's very close. And Ferrari is 80 points up on McLaren. I feel like that's a lot. Except in the last four races, McLaren has gained 113 points in four races on Ferrari. So... With only 80 points between them and four races left, their form, which has been spectacular, they've had six podiums between the two drivers in the last four races. So, what is your finishing order for two, three, and four in the constructors? Keep, keeping in mind that Aston Martin is only six points behind McLaren as well, who they you know just got leaped over in this past weekend um how do you see things finishing out i think it stays the way it is now i do think mercedes ferrari and mclaren finish second third and fourth and i'll explain why i do think mercedes will maintain and maybe grow that slightly i think it'll be close i just think uh, you're you're nibbling at the margins a little bit there um i would say Unfortunately for McLaren, they're a little too far behind Ferrari. And I think the major issue that I see in McLaren is that Piastri needs to score points every week, too. Because that's the challenge. It's not Lando's performance. It's just he can't do it by himself. And I don't think Aston Martin gets that back. I just don't trust Lance Stroll. And Fernando hasn't been performing at the same level as the Ferraris and the McLarens. So I just don't see him getting the points to uh, kind of bolster that Aston Martin against the McLaren. Okay, so you have two, three, four as remaining Mercedes, Ferrari, McLaren with Aston Martin in fifth. Um, I think... I think McLaren comes up to third. Uh, You know, if it wasn't for Oscar, you know, having a DNF not of his own fault, you know, he was coming off of a third, a second, and a sprint race win coming into last week's race. Um, So his form had been pretty good. The car is um, definitely better on its tires than Ferrari. So if they can manage a race well, they'll They'll overtake them. Um, you know, it, it's a tall order to do in four races, but, you know, we'll do a little bit more quick math. They have to outscore Ferrari on average 20 points a race. You know, so you get... It's a tie, yeah. It's a tie. Um, and I guess 
Ferrari would ultimately win because they are the team who has a win on the books, and the win is the tiebreaker. Uh, Unless, of course, the reason McLaren catches them is they do catch a win. So Right, which then would be uh, like the next average, like whoever has the most second place finishes. Does uh, sprint wins cat factor into this at all? I don't think so. They're, they're just a mechanism for points. It's just... Mm. Nice to have, but so I, I I think it might end up being Mercedes, McLaren, Ferrari, and then um, you know maybe uh, Alpine even catches Aston Martin. No, that's uh, I just I feel a little bad for the team. Not not so much Fernando. He's had enough success that you know it is what it is. Certainly don't feel bad for Lance, uh, but you know for everyone who who works at Aston Martin for the start that they had and you know being second in the constructors for. You know, so long. Um, you know, it, I think up until Spain, maybe they they lost their second place in the uh, the constructor standings. You know, it's a it's a good portion into the season. That's uh you know seven races in, and just it, it, every quote unquote upgrade they've brought to the car has been a downgrade since then. So, anyway, let's get into our predictions for the Mexico City Grand Prix, the race upcoming this weekend. And, uh, Ryan, do you have yours ready, or do you want me to start? I think I can start. Sure. (sighs) Mexico. This is the thing. It's like, what do I think is going to happen, and what do I want to happen? That's what I'm balancing out, right, with my picks here. So... I will say Checo podiums. I will say someone other than Max wins. And I will say Danny gets points. I had Danny points as well. Uh, Danny's pretty good in Mexico. He's uh, gotten a pole there before. Uh, so I, I had Danny points. Uh, sadly, the uh, the bald eagle will not be scoring points this race. I, I have Logan as DNFing this race. Okay. It just seems like, you know, you're not going to have a high without having the downs. Uh, and my third prediction was also going to center around Checo. You have him there for a podium. Um, now, I wonder if I should just go the other way. And Checo finishes below P5. Oh, wow. Okay. So he fi- I, I just have to do something different than you. So he finishes P6 or worse. Danny points. Logan does not finish. Fair enough. I was going to say Checo win, but I don't want that to happen because I want Lewis well, to have a chance to try to catch him. Well, so you still you you finagled your way into still garnering points if that happens because you have no max wins so or Checo win is a no max win and a Checo podium happens if Checo wins. It's true. I mean, like, because it works. I mean, like, I uh, I don't hurt myself if he wins, but I almost locked myself into purely a Checo win. Um, but I 
again, I'm I'm wishful thinking that we have an interesting finish to the season. I feel like if second place gets locked up after this weekend, it's like, oh, gee, what's the point? What are we racing for at this point? You know, right? And, and that, that's the thing. Like if if Checo wraps up second place after this weekend, I think they should have the rest of the year off. You know, yeah, I, like, I mean, it, like seriously, start let, your winter break early. Uh, we'll see you later. Let somebody else have some. Yeah, let Liam get a few more races. Uh, throw throw another driver in there for the hell of it. Let Danny drive the Red Bull around. You know, let, let's do let's do some stuff. Yeah, promote both Danny and Yuki up to the top two cars. Bring Liam and um, I don't know. See see if you can talk Felipe Drogovic out of you know Aston Martin for a couple races. Put him in the car. And uh, we'll have two rookies out there with a shot, getting some experience. And we'll have two guys with a shot in, in the Red Bulls. And I think that's going to be a lot more fun than what's actually going to happen. Yeah, I, I'm i just hoping for a good race, Steve, and not a disappointing <laughs> end like last week. I just hope everybody has fun. I guess that's the, the, the sort of depressing way to end this cast. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, uh, hopefully everyone has fun. And uh, we'll have fun at, the, uh, at the, the next time we do this cast. But for now, this is the Red, White, and Blue Slides F1 podcast. Again, I'm Ryan Vasquez. And I'm Stephen McNally. And we'll catch you next time across the line.